My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast, Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers, and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless, and determined. We fight for love, profits, and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers, and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth, and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. The power of thoughts. Most of us go through life believing that most of our thoughts are in response to what the world throws at us and only a few thoughts are creative without realizing that all, all of your thoughts and all of our thoughts have been instrumental in creating our circumstances. Your thoughts determine your reality. So let's explore two common but erroneous beliefs about thoughts. First is that all of our thoughts are conscious and deliberate. The reality is that only a small percentage of our thoughts are conscious. They are the tip of the iceberg. The vast majority of our thoughts arise from the subconscious archives, the thoughts that are below the surface of our awareness. These thoughts are generated according to our conditioning, past experiences and worldview. They are incredibly powerful behavioral drivers because they are actually habits. The brain has a wonderful way of simplifying our lives by automating as many thoughts as behave and behaviors as possible in order to free up the mental capacity for more demanding things. And this is great. According to a Duke University study, habits form about 45% of an individual behavior. Other behavioral scientists estimated this percentage is even higher. Habits are your foundation. They are deeply worn growths that you follow day after day, as familiar as old Roman roads in parts of Europe. Having traveled the same neural pathways thousands and thousands of times, those growths are much more efficient and easier to follow than conscious deviations. Even if your results are not what you want, you still follow those growths. We tend to think of our of habits in, in, in terms of our bad habits, like uh, procrastination, smoking, nail-biting, etc. However, there is absolutely nothing wrong with habits that empower you, such as tackling the most difficult task first or habitual uh, uh, acting despite your fears. The only, times habit, the only time habits are negative is when they hold you back from living the life you want and holding you back from the living the life you deserve. Think about some habits you have. The way you go about your morning routine or the way you drive uh, familiar roads or the way you answer emails or even the way you tell the same self story over and over again. It's truly an amazing adaptation to be able to do these things automatically without having to devote conscious mental energy to them. Do you agree? But are your habits all positive? 
Are your habits aligned with your goals? Once you understand that many of your thoughts are actually habits, you may realize that you have been living life on autopilot. You are really, you really haven't been in the driver's seat very often. Actually, not very often. You are not always in conscious control and able to use incredible manifesting power of your thoughts to your advantage. If you are being driven by the deep neural ruts uh, that are your habits. Let's move on to the other ironious belief about thoughts. Our thoughts are all true. Ironious belief about the thought. Although we believe that our thoughts are all true, the truth is in fact a construct of each individual's perspective. Every individual has a complete unique perspective on the world. Just imagine, 50 people in a university art class stand in one circle outdoors. They stand an arm's width apart from each other. In the center of the circle, there is an abstract sculpture made of metal. Everyone is looking at the sculpture with the intent of giving it an emotional description. So what you notice, one piece of the sculpture resembles a dog and another part is, the, is covered in a rust, reminds you of your like childhood bicycle. <laughs> you remember a bad experience of riding your bicycle and being chased by a vicious dog. You describe the sculpture as angry and jacked. The person next to you has a slightly different physical perspective, but his emotional perspective is different too. He also sees the dog shape and the rust covered element, but his background is different. He has fond memories of dogs. And to him, the rusty part looks very interesting to him since he grew up in the automotive family. He describes the sculpture as familiar. He noticed some faulty craftsmanship in the welding and adds shoddy to his description. Remembering the pressure of having to show excellent work to his very strict father. As you go along the circle of people and they describe what they see and feel, you can see that their perspective and their interpretations are vastly different. So what is the question? The question is, who is right? And who is wrong? The truth is, everyone is right. Each individual's thoughts are completely valid and true to them, regardless of whether others see the, that particular truth or not. Now ask yourself, please, what are you thinking and about and feeling about when you read these words and when you listen to these words? Imagine an abstract sculpture made of metal resembling a winged horse. The words you read and the voice you hear is very descriptive, but the images you create are unique to your mind. So when you analyze the mental images that you are creating right now, as you read this and hear this, know that while the words are the same for every single reader or listener, each individual creates a unique mental image, emotions and thoughts around the subject.
So understanding that your perspective is not the only perspective helps you understand that your truth is not necessary truth at all. And that is empowering when you realize that if you constructed one truth, you can construct another. You have the power to change your thoughts to better represent the world you wish to see and the life you experience and you wish to have. So therefore, the words you use in your self-talk, blah, 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 the thoughts you have and the behaviors you exhibit are based on your truth, which is very much open to interpretation. And you can change that truth so that your habitual thoughts empower you, not disempower you. Distinguishing between thoughts and feelings. Knowing the difference between thoughts and emotions will make all the difference in how much weight you give your thoughts, in particular your self-defeating thoughts. You don't have to believe everything you think, please. You don't have to believe everything you think. Thoughts give rise to emotions. All thoughts have this potential and which emotions arise from your thoughts depends on your background. So if you enjoy dancing, the phrase, let's go dancing, would elicit positive emotions of excitement and happiness in you. However, if you are a shy wallflower with uh, two left feet, the very same phrase would make you feel a little bit anxious. So, and if, if you have no concept of what dancing is, you would have a neutral or possibly anxious response to the phrase because depending on your personality and the way the message was delivered to you. So why is this important? There is a very distinct chain of command that creates your circumstances. First, whatever you think, you feel. That means it's a, there is an uh, emotional response. Then second, you make choices based on what you feel. So most choices are emotional, not purely logical. The third, you take action on your choices. Even not making a choice is a choice. Even inaction is an action. Fourth, whatever you act on or don't act on will have consequences. So to get control of your thoughts, let's begin with distinguishing between thoughts which are creations of the mind and emotions. It is very easy to confuse thoughts and feelings since they are so close intertwined. A person might say, I feel like a failure or I feel ugly. And these statements elicit negative feelings in them. Even thought failure and ugliness are not feelings. However, those feelings will dictate the individual's behavior. While completely natural, this causes us to put a lot of reliance on our thoughts. We believe, that, we, we, we believe actually that because we have a particular emotional response to a thought, that, that, that the thought must be then true. Emotions are, for example, like happy, ecstatic, morose, anxious, lonely, sad, angry, etc. So when you say, I feel like a failure, or when you say, I feel ugly, you are really expressing the emotion you have attached to the words. In this example, the emotion behind the words would be sadness. Emotions are how you interpret the words you hear. 
since you act on your emotions, it makes sense. It makes sense actually then to change the, the, the thoughts in order to change the emotions and elicit more empowering and more productive behavior. Think about how the words you say give rise to emotions and how those emotions in turn give rise to more thoughts along the lines. For example, if you think, nobody loves me, you are going to have a very strong negative reaction to it. This strong emotional response will in turn give the race to more self-defeating thoughts like, I'm not worthy of being loved. I must not deserve love if anybody or nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Or even you can say to yourself, I hate myself. Notice how the emotional punch behind the original thought grows more potent with each corresponding thought. So can you change how you feel by changing your thoughts? Absolutely. Thoughts are easier to change. Feelings are an interpretation of a thought. You can't help but have an emotional response to a thought. But if you change your thoughts to be more pleasing, you will elicit more positive emotional responses. And that's the way to increase your happiness and to empower you to create life the way you have wanted to unfold. If instead of saying, I feel like a failure, you could say, I feel good about improving my skills or I feel like a work in a progress. So you take away actually the emotional stink of self-defeating thoughts. These more empowering statements bring up positive emotions and help motivate you to take action. Instead of saying like, I feel ugly, you could say, I accept my physical attributes or I love my eyes. That immediate, immediately changes the emotional undertones, doesn't it? Instead of saying, nobody loves me, you could say, I love myself. Again, the emotions become very positive. Awareness that our thoughts and emotions are not the same things and that we can change our emotions by changing our thoughts help us place less reliance on our thoughts. We realize that we are having a thought and it's not necessarily a fact. We become less inclined to believe that the thought reflects reality. After all, I'm a failure cannot reflect reality if you can also think I feel like a work in progress. Your thoughts create your reality. They don't just reflect it. They actually create your reality. Understanding the real nature of our thoughts, that many of them are unconscious thoughts or habits, thought habits, and that they are like not necessarily true, empowers you to get behind the steering wheel and take the control of your destiny. Let's explore eight, 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 eight natural laws and how to use your thoughts to activate these laws with purpose and direction instead of being unconsciously subject to them. How the eight natural laws apply to your thoughts. These natural laws govern everything in the universe. Humans are familiar with this. They have been part of our spiritual beliefs since the dawn of mankind. 
But due to the misinterpretation and other reasons, this vital knowledge has not been part of everyone's education. And I think, honestly, it should be. Most of us unknowingly misuse this natural law, so be careful. But once you understand and apply these laws and how you can harness them in using and, and using the power of these laws and or, of your thoughts too, you will transform your life from ordinary to extraordinary and you will shift effortlessly from struggle to a state of flow. So of these eight natural laws, four are absolute. They can never be changed or transcended. And the rest are mutable, meaning you have the power to mold them to the suit, to suit your desires, to shape them to suit your desires. The law of vibration, absolute. The entire universe is simply different vibratory qualities of energy. The law of attraction is based on this law in which like energy attracts like energy. So physical objects, your body your thoughts, your emotions, light, sound, and colors are all different types of energetic vibration. When you realize that your thoughts have vibrations that attracts similarly vibrating situations and people, you become empowered as the creator of your own life experience. So how we get wrong this law? When we think, we get it wrong. When we think about improving our lives, we often think about what we want to get away from. Okay, this is a mistake. This gives rise to the classic wisdom. What you resist, persist. When you are focused on what you don't want, the energy of that thought instantly and powerfully attracts the physical manifestation of that thought. So how, how can we master this law? Just simply focus only on what you want. You already know what the present circumstances are, so don't feed that energy. Feed the energy of what you want and, and it cannot help but be drowned, actually drowned toward you. Second law, the law of correspondence. It's absolute law. There is no separation between anything in the universe and what affects the most minute also affects the largest. All patterns correspond between the smallest and the greatest. As the microcosm, so it is the microcosm. What this means to you is you are not separate from anything or anyone else. This is the law of unity. You cannot, as an energetic being, be separate from the air you breathe or the thoughts you have or the chair you are sitting on right now. Think of this this way. Where does your energy begin and end? In an infinite ocean of energy, how would you separate out one drop it's impossible. So let's see how we get wrong this law. We fail, actually we fail to understand that possible enormous effect of the smallest thought. Again, going back to the fact that many of our thoughts are habits, we might think that throwing out a complaint every now and then and against is not going to affect anything. But it actually does. How often have you complained about a situation just once? Rarely. 
<laughs> Usually, when we start complaining about something, we complain about it a lot. That thought has a powerful ripple effect that grows and grows and grows with each repetition. You may have heard of the butterfly effect. The flap of a butterfly's wings can cause a tsunami on the other side of the world. Every thought has a ripple effect, whether we are aware of the immediate consequences or not. So, how can we master this law? Please, do not start to obsess about every thought you are having and its potential effects. You cannot possibly ever be aware of the consequences of every small thought, word or, or action. However, do become more aware of what you are thinking and make a deliberate effort to swing the pendulum so that the vast majority of your thoughts are positive, kind, helpful, empowering, creative, proactive and inspiring. The third law is the law of mind, absolute again. Everything first exists as a thought. There is a universal consciousness, an intelligent, creative energy that is the source of everything. It also is everything according to the law of correspondence. That means anything you think about becomes very real in your mind in the universal consciousness and instantly creates a field of potential based on that thought. So not every field of potential will manifest at the end, but the key word is potential. It is essential to know that the instant a thought is created, the reality comes into instantaneous existence. If you imagine a blue flying horse, that horse instantly manifests in the realm of the non-physical. It is real. You have given it a life. If you consistently give that thought, mental and emotional energy, it will manifest in your life. This is something most people struggle with. Simply because according to our senses and our knowledge about the world, we have never seen a blue flying horse and therefore we don't believe it can manifest. Oh, how wrong we are. Anything, I mean anything that exists as a thought can be brought into the physical world. But don't pollute the, the, the beauty of this law with your doubts. Don't doubt. Focus on what you know is possible and have some fun practicing this law. So, how do we get this law wrong? To make a thought manifests a physical condition or circumstance, we must give the thought power. This is done by repetition and emotion. Again, remember that thoughts that are repeated become thought habits, which makes it easier and easier to think along those lines. Those are dominant thought patterns that get more energy and therefore their potential to manifest grows with each repetition, each repetition. It's stronger and stronger. That is how thoughts become self-fulfilling prophecies. So how can, what can we do to master this law? So what can we do? Give your mental and emotional energy to what you want. Open up that field of potential. Plant your seeds of positive emotion in that field. The more love, 
the more love, the more passion, the more passion, the more joy, the, mo- the more exuberance you give a, th- give a thought, the more powerful it grows. The, the, the more times you repeat that thought, an emotion again, the more the universe will align with that field of potential in order to manifest the reality. The fourth law, the law of rhythm. This law is mutable. Just like the ebb and flow of ocean tides, like the inhale or exhale of your breath, the, the, the beat of your heart maybe, the rising and the setting of the sun, periods of abundance and periods of lack and the cycle of the seasons, everything has a rhythm. This is a mutable law that can be transcended. So how do we get this law wrong? How do we get it wrong? When we experience a period of lack, sorrow, struggle, or unhappiness, we tend to get stuck in that route and we believe, hey, that's it. My life will never be good again. My life will never be better again. So if we allow that thought to persist, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So watch out. So how to master this law? Become acutely aware of the first signs of any backward swing of the pendulum. Just look around at your circumstances. Any signs of struggle or a diminishing of good fortune is a flashing red light that you are being presented with an opportunity to stay on the upswing. Many people quickly lose hope when things start to ebb for them. But don't let that happen. Don't give in to fate and let yourself be tossed about like a helpless raft on the high seas. You must intensely focus your thoughts on what you desire. And in many cases, you will be able to resist the backward or downward pull. Even if the pull in the undesired direction is very strong, you can remain confident that things will turn around for you if you remain patient. Keep your thoughts focused, persevere in your endeavors and you will once again come out on top. Remember, you are part of the source and as such you have the very same powers of creation. Fifth law is the law of polarity. Again, this law is mutual. This natural law states that everything is dual. For a yin, there is a yang. For an up, there is a down. Everything that appear to be polar opposites are but different aspects of the same. Up and down are aspects of direction. Wealth and poverty are different aspects of abundance. You cannot have one without the other, like black and white. So how do we get this law wrong? We do not believe that if we are on one end of the spectrum, we can just as easily slide up the scale to the other end. We believe that wealth and poverty are vastly different planes of existence instead of different vibrations of the same aspects. So what we can do to master this law? If you focus your thoughts on what you consider good, joyous, favorable, desirable, and peaceful, you will be able to transcend the law of polarity. One way to do this is to be grateful for everything in your life, including the struggles. Yes, including the struggles. You will be much more appreciative and positive when you make gratitude a part of your daily spiritual practice. So-called bad situations cease to be bad when you distill them into their lessons and the ways in which the situation has enriched your life. It may take some digging and contemplating, but you can do it. 
The sixth law is law of gender. It's also mutable. This law states that everything has a masculine and feminine properties. This is similar to the law of polarity, but instead of there being opposites in the form of different aspects of the same things, the law of gender points to the different qualities of the same. For example, feminine qualities are patience, intuition, unconditional love, gentleness. Masculine qualities are strength, intellect, logic, and energy. Both qualities exist within every person. So how do we get this law wrong? How do we get it wrong? I am. I am is a powerful manifesting statement. So watch out. If a person says, I am impatient with stupid people, then he shuts the door on the feminine quality of patience. If a person says, I am not strong when it comes to telling my spouse how I feel, then he shuts the door on the masculine quality of strength. So since people identify with these I am statements, they cannot see life from a different perspective and therefore they cannot embody those qualities. Many people tend to try to force things to change in their physical experience without also changing their thoughts, which is the only way to create real change. This is highly masculine tendency that dismisses the importance of the feminine qualities of patience, allowing and intuition. So how to master this law? When you accept that you can be strong and gentle and persistent and yielding, you can master this law. If you were a sculptor of your life, you wouldn't walk <laughs> back at a piece of marble with your chisel with all your might. You would tap with just the right mix of force and gentleness to get the job done with precision so that you can create what you want instead of impatiently striking too hard and coming up with broken pieces all around. Seventh law is the law of cause and effect. It's also mutual law. So every cause has an effect and every effect has a cause. The cause of everything that you perceive and experience in the physical world is your thoughts. Your thoughts are the cause. Your circumstances are the effects. The law of cause and effect is instantaneous on the spiritual plane. There is no space or time between the instant your thought was conceived and the, its manifestation. Only on the physical plane does our concept of time and space create a space between origin and manifestation or between cause and effect. So how do we get it wrong? Because we do not believe in our extraordinary creative capabilities, we infuse our thoughts with doubt and frustrations uh, that the conditions we want are not manifesting, manifesting right now. This is common when people start praying. They fervently ask for something to change, yet when it takes more time than they expected, they lose faith and start to rationalize it with like, it is not God's will. If you are enjoying interview so far, make sure to follow me on other social media. You will find me on YouTube and Facebook as Million Mori Warrior Family, on Instagram as Smilian Mori and on LinkedIn and Twitter as Smilian Mori, S-M-I-L-J-A-N-M-O-R-I. It's not right. So how to master this law?
When you focus your thoughts on what you want, that desire instantly manifests in the spiritual plane. When you continue to hold that focus and do not pollute it with doubt or fear, the desire will manifest in your physical world. To become a conscious creator of your life experience, therefore it is essential to master your mind so that your thoughts are directed in the right way, toward, not away from what you want. You should know this already. Think of your dominant thoughts as seeds in a garden. These are the thoughts you give the most attention to. Therefore, they are the ones that will grow the fastest. And the final law, it's the eighth law, the law of attraction. It's absolute law. Like attracts like. Your thoughts are like a tuning fork with this particular frequency. Strike the tuning fork and your life, your life like an instrument, will come into resonance with it. But we can get this law wrong. So how do we get it wrong? There are two ways we get this law completely wrong. And one is by neutralizing the resonant quality of a pure positive thought with negative thoughts. But that won't work. Or I'm not good enough. The second way we get it wrong is by scattering our focus. Some thoughts are on high vibrating circumstances and some thoughts on low vibrating circumstances. You cannot come into resonance with one if you are constantly changing the station. Okay, so watch out. But what can we do to master this law? By consciously directing your thoughts toward what you desire, you activate the law of attraction, which is a unifying law that permeates the seven other laws, uh, natural laws. This timeless wisdom has come to us in the teaching of, anxious, of the anxious masters. You are undoubtedly familiar with the sayings like, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Or... Ask and you shall receive. Both of these essentially mean what you vibrate is what you will attract. Keep your dominant thoughts focused on what you want and don't worry about how they will manifest. They will. Leave the how to the mysterious workings of the universe. When you know the power of your thoughts, you can understand how to apply them using that natural laws and positively impact your life in truly astonishing ways. The story you tell. Now let us examine the ways that you have been misusing the natural laws in the story you tell to yourself. It means your self story. So the story you tell. You know, we all tell stories in our minds about our life. Each story is real and valid as the next, even if it seems like implausible to an outside observer. For us, it's true. Your self-story is what you believe you are good at or not good at. This is your story. Your story is what you deserve or don't deserve. This is your story. Your story is what you expect and what you don't expect, what happened to you and what you did. Your story is also what you can or cannot do, what's good and what's bad. And it is a powerful story, trust me. I know. 
Take a few minutes to do this extremely effective self-awareness exercise. You, know, you need to be able to identify the self-defeating elements in your story. Like, largely, they are subconscious in order to write a more pleasing version. So be careful. Write the first answer that comes to you when I ask you these questions if someone or I will ask you right now. So what do you do? What do you do? What is your greatest dream? Just one. What are you good at? Don't say, I'm not good at anything. <laughs> Next. What are you bad at? This is easy one. What do you enjoy doing? Do you feel fulfilled in your job? How do you feel about your relationships? What is your biggest challenge in your everyday life? To get up early? <laughs> what, are you, what are you afraid of? Or what do you think about your potential for success? Or do you have any unresolved issues from the past? Or what do you feel guilty about? Or what do you feel proud of? Oh, wow. What do you feel proud of? How do you feel about yourself? Oh, watch this one. Do you like yourself? These are all the individual elements that make up your self story. Put it all on paper and don't judge yourself, especially if the bad seems to outweigh the good. <laughs> Next, think about the areas of your life where you are struggling right now. Think about where things could be a little or maybe a lot better. Write down as many reasons as you can think of why you are in the situation and why you cannot seem to get out of it. For example, if you are struggling financially, even though you are working hard, you might write, I can't find a good job because a good, good jobs are hard to come by for someone with my education and my skill level. Or... I'm not very good at managing my money. So this story perpetuates itself. It is a potent combination of your beliefs and expectations. And it is often supported even by your conscious thoughts. Most of us are not truly aware of our self-story. We may hear the words we say about ourselves when we make a mistake or when we talk about our worries. The problem is that the stories are so automatic that we don't realize we use the same words and the same emotions to reinforce the story. So we could tell the story in our sleep. It is so familiar and so right to us. Unfortunately, the story takes on a life of its own when it's retold unthinkingly. If you say, I hate my job, it's such a dead end and I cannot wait for the weekend. Once, then it's not a big deal. Just once. But what happened? If you repeat that sentiment over and over to your friends and the story comes alive with the energy you give it, before you know it, you are subconsciously acting out of the story 
arriving to work with an, a negative attitude that affects your performance, giving less than enthusiastic account of what you do all day, and then you wonder why your your boss seems to be on your ca- uh, uh, case, why you never why you never get promoted also, and why your life is so like uh, so meaningless. The more you enforce this story, you know, uh, over and over again, the more you believe it, and the more it becomes your reality. Think about any time you complain to your friends or family about your job. You are not reinforcing the story to them, you are reinforcing the story to yourself. If your story has a negative undertones, it becomes an incredibly heavy, heavy energetic weight. It comes with a potent package of emotions that cause you to behave in a certain way, with very predictable results. Not on purpose, of course, but you are holding yourself back with any negative story. You can't achieve a dream if you are no good. You can't advance in your career if your job is a hopeless dead end. You can't find a life partner if the good ones are all taken. Look at your results if, you're doubt, if you doubt the power of your thoughts. Just look at the results. Your thoughts generate certain emotions. Those emotions make you act in certain ways. Actions and words have results. It's that simple. It's very simple. Please understand that you are the creator of your own life circumstances and experience. Your thoughts are an incredible powerful creative force. Think of your thoughts, especially any repeated thoughts, as a mental boomerangs. Any thought spoken aloud or silently, when repeated with emotion, becomes a command. The cosmic intelligence does not judge what you think about. It simply offers up what you ordered. Thoughts and Choices The conditions and circumstances of your life are a result of your thoughts and beliefs. It is very tempting and convenient to argue with that statement. But your life experience is the result of the choices you have made throughout your life. Many of these choices were made unconsciously. No one would willingly cause a life of struggle, I believe. No one would willingly create loneliness. No one would willingly make choices that put them in difficult or even traumatic situation. However, the statement stands. If you have entered into an abusive relationship, for example, you may believe that you are the victim of domestic abuse. But think about your role in it, working backward from the present moment. You choose to be in the relationship, not me. Before you choose to be in that relationship, you made a series of choices in how to interpret certain events. In other words, you choose how you would feel about yourself and about the kind of a partner you believe you deserved. If you are struggling financially, reverse engineer your situation. Before you started having trouble making ends meet, you made choices about the type of job you would hold. Didn't you? Before you made 
those choices, you made a series of choices in how to interpret certain events. In other words, you choose how you would feel about yourself and about the kind of a job or career you believe you deserve to hold. The pattern is easy to spot. Of course, it is much more complex than that. Okay? But relationships are complicated mix of two personalities. Do you agree? Two perspectives, two backgrounds that are constantly doing a dance around each other. Financial situations also involve your beliefs about money and abundance and about talents, the economy or the opportunities and so forth. But again, when you look backwards at the choices you have made to go to school or not to go to school, to hold out for a better partner or settle for the first one that came along, to believe in yourself or not, to challenge yourself or not, you see that you and your thoughts, uh, your thought habits have shaped your life as if it is very clay. Now that you are aware of the power of your thoughts, you, you become empowered to take charge. It is not easy, mind you. You have spent a lifetime creating thought habits and it's going to take work to unreveal those threats. It's just simple like that. Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing, and sales strategies confidence boosters and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram Smillion Mori, YouTube and Facebook Smillion Mori, Warrior Family, Twitter Smillion Mori and LinkedIn Smillion Mori.